There are some things that you will need to do in order to even open the door for spiritual deliverance. Now for Away Addictions. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. <laughs> One biblical word that could be applied to addictions is stronghold. Stronghold. The thing that has a strong hold on you. And this message today is not for those who don't want to be free from the thing that has a strong hold on them. This message today is for those who want to break that hold to be free from those addictions in whatever arena they are and to live free in Christ. Today's message is simply entitled, Away Addictions. A.V., if you would, play the first video, which is a graphic representation of what it's like just to be addicted. And for those of you who are listening to the audio, you can go to brothersoftheword.com, click on this sermon, Away Addictions, and you can watch the video version.
And that's a quick graphic illustration. It's easy to understand of what addiction is like. Your first hit of anything just feels so good, and as you become more and more dependent upon it, it destroys your world more and more. So I would suggest for today's message that you go and you actually watch the video. This is sermon number 2028. You can go to brothersoftheword.com, go to sermon search, just put in 2028, and it'll bring you the sermon, and you can just watch that video. There's something about seeing it graphically, even though it's a bird we can relate to that because addiction is real. 40 million Americans ages 12 and older have substance problems. Addiction and substance abuse affect more Americans than heart conditions, diabetes, or cancer. 75% of all high school students have used addictive substances, including cigarettes, alcohol, marijuana, or cocaine. One in five, this is high school, has a substance problem. Almost half, 46% of all high school students currently use addictive substances. I remember when my second son, Josie's, was in college and he said his first class, they had a class and they had a survey, and they asked the students how many of them got high once a week. How many of them used substances that made them high at least once a month? And he said, Daddy, he said, only one other student and I didn't use any stuff. I said, well, how many were in the class? He said, 40-something. I said, you mean to tell me out of 40-something kids, only two didn't get high? He says, only me and one other student. I said, my goodness. So now it is pervasive. So addictions and getting high, it was bad back then. But the COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine has had a dramatic impact on alcohol use and abuse. Statistics provided by the National Center for Biotechnology Information show that overall consumption of alcohol increased by 60.14% with stress, increased availability, and boredom as the top reasons for the spike. Stress, increased availability, and boredom as the top reasons for the spike. Now, if you notice during the pandemic, they only allowed, especially when it was at its peak and at its early start, they only allowed what they call essential businesses to remain open. But do you know the liquor store is classed as an essential business? They did not close liquor stores. They closed churches, but they did not close liquor stores. Now, see, the whole message can just be capsulizing that one thing. They closed churches, but they did not close liquor stores. So you couldn't go to church, but you could go get you some Jack Daniels. You could go get you some MD-4040. You could go and get liquor 
and wine and beer, but you could not go to church. They considered liquor stores as an essential business. So the sales of liquor went up 60.14% during the pandemic because of stress, increased availability. And I don't think they opened up any new liquor stores, but that's all the place you could go was to the liquor store and boredom. They didn't have anything else to do. So they started drinking. A national study published out of Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital, as reported by NPR News, shows that 75% of people with addiction get better when they get help. The study applied even to those who have used hard drugs over long periods of time. Once they received the support and treatment they needed, they were able to live full and successful lives. That's 20 million people in recovery nationwide. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit internet pornography websites, and 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction to internet pornography. 10% of adults admit to having an addiction to internet pornography. But 25% of pastors do. They admit to having an addiction to internet pornography. That is not even counting the ones who don't admit it. 25%, now I read this study years ago. My guess is that's gone up since then. And internet pornography probably went up during the pandemic. So the challenge that we face, that's why it's all kinds of addictions, not just drug addictions, it's all kinds of addictions. An addiction I would classify as anything that you can't break free from that is detrimental to you, to your mind, your body, or your spirit, or your money, or your family. Addiction is anything that's negative in your life that you cannot break away from. That's what I call an addiction. Now, you can have positive addictions, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the negative addiction today. The term addict has its roots in the Latin myth of addictus. The myth tells of a slave who was set free from his master but became so accustomed to his chains that he wandered the land with his chains still attached even though he could have removed them at any time. Do you know black people, we celebrate Juneteenth. Juneteenth came because in a certain state and area of the country, the slaves didn't find out they were free until almost a couple of years later. Nobody told them. They didn't have internet. They didn't have social media. It had been all over social media if we'd had that, but they didn't have it. So they were still working in the plantation two years later before they even found out they were free. Some Christians are still bound not realizing Jesus paid the price for their freedom 2,000 years ago, but they're still bound, not recognizing the price has been paid, the keys have been given to get them out of jail, to get them free from the addictions that they face, but they don't realize they are free. Now, now addiction is a complicated issue, especially when you try to deal with the why of addiction. There's always a story. 
And this next video, it's rather long, but it deals with the story. And this is accurate in virtually every case I know. And it doesn't matter what kind of addiction. Usually when there is an addiction to anything, it is resulting from a situation. It is resulting from some type of hurt or some type of trauma or some type of lack that a person perceives. And because they feel bad about this or because they're missing this, even food addictions. Usually when you deal with food addictions, when you start digging into it, you find that there's an emotional reason behind it. And you eat or you get high or you do something else just to escape or you escape into the world of porn. There is a reason why the addictions exist. So A.V., if you would, play this second video. The downtown east side of Vancouver, British Columbia is one of the world's ground zeros for addiction in that in a few square block radius we have thousands of people injecting, inhaling and ingesting drugs of all kinds and paying dearly for it. These people are often outside the law, certainly beset by many medical problems due to injection drug use including psychosis, including HIV, including hepatitis C, cancers, they die of overdoses. This is trench warfare, and the people that are the frontline soldiers dying from it are the people affected by addiction. So that's where I worked for 12 years. And um, what I learned could be summed up really very uh, briefly by saying that addiction is not a choice that anybody makes, it's not a moral failure, it's not an ethical lapse, it's not a weakness of character. It's not a failure of will, which is how our society depicts addiction, nor is it an inherited brain disease, which is how the medical tendency is to see it. What it actually is, it's a response to human suffering. And all these people that I worked with had been severely traumatized as children. All the women had been sexually abused. All the men had been uh, traumatized, some of them sexually, physically, emotionally neglected. and. Not only is that my perspective, it's also what the scientific and research literature shows. So addiction then is actually, rather than being a disease as such or a human choice, it actually is it's an attempt to escape suffering temporarily. By the time I, I went to work there, I had already been in family practice for 20 years. I'd seen a lot and I was quite attuned to the impact of early childhood experiences on adult psychology and adult brain physiology. But I just hadn't seen the depth and the degree until I went to work down there. So really it dramatized and confirmed for me, made it very palpable how addictions are a response to suffering and that what people need in response to addiction is not judgment and not simply symptom control. They need to be helped to heal from their trauma because it is all about trauma. The media, the television, cultural depiction of addicts is usually as desperate people, but without showing why they're desperate. So all the shows is the desperation for the drugs. And there's no indication of what's driving that desperation. And hence you see them behaving in all kinds of dysfunctional ways, aggressive or manipulative or unpleasant. But again, there's no three-dimensional sense of the reality of these people as to what that's really all about for them. Is it possible to cure people? You're speaking from the Western model where I am the expert and you're the one with the disease and I'm going to cure you uh, like you cure a piece of meat, you know. No, 
the answer to that question framed that way is no, it's not possible. If you're asking, is it possible for people to heal from trauma sufficiently that they don't have to keep escaping into addictions to lessen the suffering of their trauma? Yes, that's entirely possible. But the question is, under what conditions is that possible? And under the conditions that obtain in London, UK, or Vancouver, British Columbia, or in New York, New York, or any place under the conditions that obtain socially, legally, and from the perspective of medical practice, it's hardly a likelihood because we're approaching it from the wrong direction and with the wrong perspective. If I could constantly demonstrate that with this particular population, I could affect a 5 or 10% success rate of getting people to leave the addiction behind, I'd be considered to be a genius because our results are so poor. When I say ours, I don't mean ours specifically in Vancouver. I don't mean that. I mean the overall treatment model for addiction is so poor and succeeding with the most affected segments of the population. So, I mean, addictions are like everything else on a spectrum. So a lot of people do heal from addictions, but the most inveterate, most entrenched addicts, they have the hardest time. And they're also the ones whom society gives the hardest time so that it makes it even harder to help them. Never mind they don't get the help they need, they actually get actively punished. And so what you've actually got is traumatized children. And children are traumatized, that affects how they feel about themselves, which is deeply ashamed. Because a child always believes that it's about himself. So if, if I'm being hurt like this, I've got to be a terrible person. Or if I was sexually abused, why didn't I fight back? I must be a very weak person. So there's a deep sense of shame. Then there's tremendous emotional pain that accrues from abuse and neglect. Tremendous emotional pain that is hardly possible for people to bear. Now they have to soothe their pain with substances or other compulsive behaviors. Then the trauma itself, given that the human brain develops an interaction with the environment, shapes the brain circuitry in such a way that the person will be more likely to find relief from the drugs. So the very physiology of the brain is affected by early trauma. So then you take these traumatized people and you make their habit illegal. It's not illegal to drink yourself to death. It's not illegal to make yourself sick with emphysema or lung cancer by means of cigarettes. But it's illegal to use other substances. So now you take these abused, traumatized people, you place them outside the law, you put them in jails, and you harm them all their lives, treating them like criminals and bad people and, and failures and rejects and less than a human. And then we wonder how come they don't get better. So it's a self-perpetuating cycle of taking traumatized people and then re-traumatizing them and then hoping at the same time, why don't they listen? Why don't they get better already? Why don't they give it up? Well, they don't give it up because the more hurt they are, the more they need to escape. In other words, the addiction wasn't your problem. Your problem was that you had a lot of emotional pain, you didn't know what to do with. So the addiction was really an attempt to solve a problem. So when you say, why do people use substances or why do they engage in addictions in general, it's because they have a problem they don't know what to do with. And if you really understand their addiction, we have to ask, well, what gave you so much emotional pain? And how come you didn't have the internal resources 
this is not a judgment, it's simply an inquiry. How come you lacked at some point the internal resources to deal with that pain in a more creative, forward-looking way that would help you resolve the pain rather than to perpetuate it? So really, really what it was is that the addiction came along to help you solve a problem you had no other solutions for at the time. And that's the case for all addictions. So why do people use, why do people engage in addictions? Because they have deep emotional problems they don't have the means to resolve on their own. That's why they use. The average medical student, until very recently, has never even heard the word trauma in their education. It doesn't show up. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about its impact on the brain, on the personality, and on, on the emotional life of people, on its impact on people's physical health. It's not a word that we mention. We're traumaphobic. As a fellow doctor said to me, the medical profession is traumaphobic. Psychiatrists these days are trained mostly in this biological model of psychiatry where everything comes down to a biological brain disease. Here, let's give you a pill. The last thing most psychiatrists know how to talk about is actually emotional pain or its origins in human experience. You'd think they know how to do that, but they don't. They're not trained in it. It's not part of the predominant medical ideology. And, you know, as a physician, I can tell you, we like to think of medical as a science, and it has certainly great scientific achievements uh, to its credit and great scientific insights to buttress its successes. But it's as much as ideology as a science. And ideology has certain hidden assumptions that are hidden from the people that believe in ideology. And so that if something is excluded by ideology, you just won't see it. And so that you can be talking to somebody about your addiction and the simple question, what did they do for you? And how come you're in so much emotional pain doesn't occur to anybody, you know, trained in the classical manner. Now, this is true not just for physicians, it's true for a lot of psychologists as well, who are more interested in solving your problems and getting you to overcome the behavior than in asking, well, okay, where does behavior come from? And what are you still carrying inside that's making you behave that way? And how can we help you resolve what's inside you? Not just how do we help you change your behavior, but how do we help you change? Now that's what healing is, and that happens inside a person. So it's never a question of anybody curing anybody else, but we can guide people to healing if we ask the right questions. So what is your pain? This fellow had been in the field, he's a doctor for 20 years, and he spent 12 years working with addiction. And basically what he said is every one of the cases stems out of some type of personal emotional trauma where people have been through abuse physically or emotionally. And then there was a third one, neglect. Neglect. I can pretty much guarantee, I remember back when Mountain Wings was at its peak and I would have people writing in for advice and, and a woman wrote in about her husband with pornography and she asked me, what can I do about my husband watching all this pornography? And I asked her a simple question. Are you focusing on your husband? Are you satisfying his physical needs? I didn't hear back from her. No comment, as they say in the street, crickets.
What is your pain? And a part of dealing with addiction of any type, legal or illegal, because most people die from legal stuff, not illegal stuff. Before the opiate crisis, you had about 15 to 30,000 people a year dying from drug overdoses. Now that you've got the opiate crisis at its peak, about 80,000 people a year. So maybe drugs, totally 100,000 people a year. Cigarettes by themselves kill 1,200 folk a day. 1,200 folk a day. And opiate crisis has just been a real national big thing that skyrocketed deaths. But at most, 100,000 a year with illegal drugs. Over 350,000, 1,200 a day from just cigarettes. But nobody talks about that. But when you're puffing on a cigarette, the nicotine has been particularly enhanced. And the cigarette companies knew this and deliberately did this to make cigarettes more addictive than its natural state. They deliberately doing that. But if you study food and food science, the big national brands bring in food chemists and they tell them, make this food where it's addictive, where they can't eat just one. So it's a deliberate plan to addict you to stuff that's not good for you. But often, even when you're overeating, it's for an emotional comfort food because you're missing something else. And all of this stuff boils down to one four-letter word of love. You find a missing or a lack of love whenever you find any of these behaviors. It is a lack of love that's a root of it. And I hate to break it to you, but for those of you who are listening or watching me right now and you have a lack of love in your life, you can't depend on folk to give it to you. And you're going to be messed up forever waiting on folk. Now, some of you may have that. But if you don't have it now, don't depend on folk to give it to you because they ain't going to change. More than likely. And they may, miracle may hit them. They may get one of these prayer cloth anointed. You may need to take one of these prayer cloths and just lay it over your spouse's head. And you don't know what they'll wake up for in the morning. You don't know. So I'm not going to say that it won't work. But I am saying don't bet your happiness and your joy and your future on folk changing. Because the lack of love is the root of a whole lot of this stuff. But God is love. And God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for you. And you can't depend on folk for this. You've got to go to a, a higher power. You know, there's one of the strangest divorces that happened and what is being touted as one of the strangest divorces in recent memory, Harry Bixenpip has decided to divorce his wife of 17 years, Winnie Bixenpip. Harry revealed that he just got fed up with arguing with his wife about her uncontrollable addiction to hostess Twinkies. The country music fiddle player said that his wife got up to 45 Twinkies per day. 
He revealed that he has found her stash of Twinkies hidden underneath her pillow in the dirty clothes hamper and even in her panties while she was wearing them. <laughs> Winnie said that she hid the Twinkies in her panties only twice and one of the times it was really only half a Twinkie. Harry said that the final straw was when he found 13 Twinkies that Winnie had hidden in the washing machine. He did point out that they went to a food addiction therapist and she suggested to Harry that he forcibly stick a Twinkie in each of Winnie's nostrils and that he could possibly cure her addiction that way. Harry remarked that he was afraid of Winnie biting him so he would just rather get a divorce. Now, that's a rather ridiculous and a rather crazy thing, but it's not so crazy because that's a real story. So some people get addictions to all kinds of stuff, and it wrecks their world. But yet, today, we want to get some of those addictions out of your world, whatever they may be. Researchers at the University of Mission studied addictive-like eating in 518 people. They use the Yale Food Addiction Scale as a reference. It's the most commonly used tool to assess food addiction, which really is our most common addictions. It's the thing that got us booted out of the Garden of Eden. All participants received a list of 35 foods, both processed and unprocessed. They rated how likely they were to experience problems with each of the 35 foods on a scale of one to seven. In this study, seven to 10% of participants were diagnosed with full-blown food addictions. In addition, 92% of participants exhibited addictive-like eating behavior towards some foods. They repeatedly had the desire to quit eating them, but were unable to stop. I got that problem. I had that problem with sweets. That's why I asked y'all, don't bring me any sweets. I got enough problem getting sweets on my own. And I have a problem that I can't just eat just one. I can't. If I get a box of cookies, the whole box of cookies is going to be gone. I can't just eat one cookie and put the box away. I have to throw my cookies away if I want to stop eating them. Just as simple as that. But this is the list of the 18 most addictive foods in the U.S. And I want to... Read these 18 to you and see if any of y'all have a problem with any of these 18. The most addictive food in America, pizza. Number two, chocolate. Number three, chips. Number four, cookies. Number five, ice cream. Number six, french fries. Number seven, cheeseburgers. Number eight, non-diet soda. Number nine, cake. Number 10, cheese. Number 11, bacon. Number 12, fried chicken. Number 13, plain rolls. Number 14, buttered popcorn. Number 15, breakfast cereal. Number 16, gummy candy. Number 17, steak. And number 18, muffins. So how many of you all have a problem with one or more of those foods on that list? That look like everybody. 
these are the 17 least addictive foods in the U.S. Number one, cucumbers. How many of y'all have had within the last three months of just an uncontrollable desire for cucumbers? All right, we got one. Amen. <laughs> Number two, carrots. Number three, beans with no sauce. Number four, apples. Number five, brown rice. Number six, broccoli. Number seven, bananas. Number eight, salmon. Number nine, corn with no butter or salt. Number 10, strawberries. Number 11, granola bars. Number 12, water. Number 13, plain crackers. Number 14, pretzels. Number 15, chicken breast, not fried. Number 16, eggs. And number 17, nuts. So these are the 17 least addictive foods in the U.S. But if you notice, most of those foods are unprocessed and unmodified. They're just like God put them in the earth. So when we have these addictions that are often caused by stuff in our lives that affects our emotions and we do the thing to, as the video the doctor talked about, basically the addictions were for the purpose of temporarily relieving suffering. Whether that suffering is loneliness, a lack, a covering a trauma or a memory, it's for the relief of suffering. So how do we get rid of these addictions that got these causes underneath? I don't know many people who have received what I would call spiritual deliverance from serious addictions. But I do know one that I know, and that's my wife's daddy. And she called him last night to ask him, could I tell his story? And he said, yeah, I could. Simone's, or my good baby, her daddy smoked two packs of Salem's a day. And he kept a liquor bottle under the seat of the car. Now, as I mentioned, cigarettes kill 1,200 folk a day. And he smoked two packs every single day. He recognized that there was an issue, and he had tried to quit multiple times. Most of this stuff that we are addicted to, we know. And many of our addictions, we have tried to quit, but they come back. And they often come back when we go through a suffering. And we'll reach for the thing to relieve the suffering because we'll say, I'm going through a struggle right now. I'm going through it. Sometimes we'll say, I feel alone. I don't feel loved. I got a need. I'm going through it. And we reach for the thing. And the thing brings us temporary relief from the suffering. So he knew he had a problem. And then he knew he couldn't solve the problem. So he took his whole family to church. He took them to a Pentecostal church and the reverend there 
laid hands on him and prayed over him. My wife says she remembers it just as clear because she was 12 years old. See, children are affected by your behavior, good or bad. They remember this stuff. They know what you're doing. They can sense it. They can feel it. But most of the time, they just see it. So they know what you're doing. And it affects them. So she remembered at 12 years old, she went to this church, and, and the man, the preacher, laid hands on him. And he's a real prophetic preacher. I've been there once. And I've only been there once. I didn't go back. So, Pastor, why you didn't go back? Because the one time I went there, he called me out and had me stand up and preach. <laughs> so he laid hands on my father-in-law. My father-in-law at the time was 40 years old. He's 85 now. So that was 45 years ago, he was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and had a liquor bottle under the seat of the car. In the past 45 years, now I don't know about what's going to happen from this point forward, but in the past 45 years, he's not had one cigarette or one drop of liquor. From the time the anointing of God touched his body, he said every desire for it just left. There is a power of God that can cast out all of these addictive behaviors and all of this stuff, but you got to first of all recognize, I need a change. Because even if it's cast out and you really don't want it out, you'll welcome it back. And your latter state will be seven times worse than the prior. So how do we get rid of this stuff in our lives that's causing us all of this pain and destruction that's often rooted out of pain and destruction? How do we get rid of this? We're going to have a laying on of hands at the end of service today. And I knew up front today was not going to be one of our getting out on time days. And God said, three out of four Sundays, you shall end service on time, and we stick to that. But this is not one of those Sundays. Because there are some people, and even if it's just one who needs deliverance, and you need to come back on the fourth Thursday of February, which is this coming Thursday, and you need to get a prayer cloth. So you need a double dose. I remember I went and watched a movie, and it was a zombie movie. And one of the rules of a zombie he had all of these rules about dealing with zombies that he had come through because he had survived. So he had this list of about 10 rules. And one of the rules of, of dealing with zombies is to always double tap, which means you got to shoot him twice because sometimes one shot don't do it. So you had to double tap the zombie. So you got to double tap. We're going to tap you on the head and you're going to come back and you're going to get a prayer cloth and a foot washing on this coming Thursday, the fourth Thursday of February at 7 p.m. And there's something about it you will need double. Because most of us who are struggling with these addictions, I began with my sweet addiction when I was an early teenager. And I've been struggling with it ever since. And I've battled with this thing. And I'll keep it under control for weeks and sometimes months. And all of a sudden go off on a binge. Just go, all of a sudden, I look down, I got a whole bag of chocolate chips. I've just eaten a whole bag. 
So we still deal with these demons and these addictions and this stuff. Some of y'all got a demon of just junkiness. Because that's what the Bible calls the demons, call them unclean spirits. Some of you got just a demon of just junkiness, and no matter what, you got all this mess, and there's a whole psychological disease now called a hoarder disease. So you got now, you had the problem of Jesus dealing with the whores, and then you got the hoarders. So now, now we got all kind of stuff of almost demonic manifestation, and some of y'all just got a hoarder demon in you. And everything you touch and everywhere you go, just all this mess all around. You can't get rid of it. And you've been tried. See, that's the thing about it. We realize we have tried and we can't get rid of it. And we need help. But there are some things that you will need to do in order to even open the door for spiritual deliverance. That's why I wanted to play that video most of this stuff, if not all of it, roots in a trauma, a hurt, a pain, a neglect, and emptiness. And usually with that stuff, there is a person at the root to blame. You must forgive. You must forgive. If they've hurt you, if they neglected you, if they haven't done right, you must forgive. And that's why Jesus said in the prayer, forgive those who trespass against us as we are forgiven our trespass. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. So if we want to get rid of the demonic, to get rid of the oppressive spirit, the first thing we got to do Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they molested you. Yes, they didn't love you. Yes, they neglected you. Yes, they didn't provide. Yes, they did wrong. And they still may be doing it. But you got all this stuff because of them, but it's not really because of them. It's because you hanging on to the stuff. And if you don't let it go, if you don't forgive, God cannot forgive you because you got some stuff. You got some stuff you haven't done right. You've got some people you have traumatized in one form or another. And if we cannot forgive others, God cannot forgive us. So don't come for your laying on of hands if you are not prepared to forgive those who've done you wrong and hurt you. That's the first step. And that's why you got to do some of this stuff. And I know it's hard to forgive. I know it's hard. If you listen to the CD words for healing, it talks about an instance I had with a young lady here years ago. She was a young lady, only about 30 years old. She was dying of cancer. I went to visit her. And as I laid hands on God spoken, he said, look, if this woman will just list the people who have done her wrong and seven times a day call out that list and say, I forgive them, I will heal her. And I told her that. It's on the CD. All you got to do is list down everybody who's hurt you, everybody who's caused you pain, everybody that you got something against. Just list them down, and seven times a day, call out their name and tell them, I forgive you. She's dying of cancer. And I called her back about a week later. And I said, how you doing on that 
forgiveness list and calling them out seven times a day. She wasn't working, couldn't work, too sick. She had nothing else to do all day long. How you coming on that list? How you coming on calling that list out seven times a day? And she said, Pastor, I haven't done it. It's too hard. And this is what she was basically saying. I did read between the lines. This is what she was saying. I'd rather die than forgive them folk. That's really what she was saying. I would rather die than forgive them. I would rather die than forgive them. So the first thing, before you come up here for an anointing for a way addiction, the first thing is you've got to forgive the folk who have done you wrong. That's the first thing, and it's hard. Because many of you, you've dealt with this stuff. I require the people at my company to read one book a month, and our book this month is My Name is Barbara. It's the biography of the autobiography of Barbara Streisand. And it's the longest book I've ever read in my life. The audible version of it is 48 hours long. It's long. But she goes through so much of her life dealing with her mother and how her mother never supported her. Her mother criticized her. Her mother this, her mother that. It was so much stuff dealing with her mother that because of that, it tainted all of her relationships. And she went through four or five, all these marriages and relationships because she said she couldn't relate well to other folk because she couldn't relate well to the trauma that her mother caused her. And this woman became one of the largest stars in history, filling up 75,000-seat auditoriums, sold out multiple shows. Movie star was rated as one of the three greatest voices of all times. But she went through all of her life with stuff about her mother who was there and her daddy died when she was young. And she went through stuff about her daddy because he died. So she couldn't forgive him because he died and left her. And she couldn't forgive her mother because her mother treated her with what she thought was so much disrespect and dishonor and didn't love her. And she's 81 years old now. And at the end of the book, she says she finally got to the point where she could understand her mother in some of the why. Don't get to 80s before you forgive. Because you need to get these addictions off of you now. But there's no need of us praying over you until you forgive the people or the person who caused the pain, the hurt, the neglect, or the trauma. Addictions are no joke. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness 
and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Romans 13, 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Change is difficult, particularly when we are addicted to something. There is a sort of a five-step program that's still based out of science, but it has a biblical backing also. And if you're addicted, these are five steps. Now, these five steps are not going to, because folks go through the you know, the Alcoholics Anonymous 12 Steps, and they'll have you stand up in the meeting, and you begin with, my name is such and such, and I am an alcoholic. That program works, but it's not what I would recommend because that's not the identity I would want. I would never say I am an alcoholic. I may have an addiction to alcohol, but that's not who I am. You may have some behavior that you want to change, but that is not who you are. That's just a behavior that you are struggling with. That's not who you are. And that's the way the world will, first of all, it will try to, to change the I am of you, to make you call yourself something that you may be struggling with, but this is not you. Because if it changes and you can cast that demon out, it's no longer you. That's just a thing that you are struggling with at the moment. So I would never admit I am an alcoholic. I may say I have a challenge right now with alcohol. But I'm not an alcoholic. Because I can change that. And I can be at a point where I never touch another cigarette or never touch another drop of liquor for the rest of my days. Simone's father was not a cigarette smoker. Nor was he a drinker. He was just smoking and drinking at the time. But once he got the touch from God, he became a new creature. And that was no longer his name. But just the five practical things. Number one, set a quit date. That's the first thing they recommend. I don't recommend that either. Well, pastor, if you don't recommend setting a quit date, Date. And they say sometimes set a date that's maybe an anniversary or a birthday or a special event or something like that. Pastor, if you don't recommend setting a quit date, what do you recommend? Quit right now! <laughs> For those of you who are listening to this message or watching me right now, you know, you instantly, so you already know the addiction that you have. You know it without question. Don't sit there talking about, well, Pastor said he said, set a set a quit date. I'm going to quit. Mm, I'm going to give it 90 days. I'm going to quit in 90 days. 90 days, you're not even going to remember to quit. So you don't wait. Exodus 8, 9 says this. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. In verse 10, 
tomorrow, Pharaoh said. This was in cases where they put all the plagues on Egypt and they were dealing with the plague of frogs and there were frogs everywhere, just frogs everywhere. And Moses says, I give you the honor of saying, when do you want me to get rid of these frogs? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. I'm going to sleep with these frogs tonight. But in tomorrow, get rid of these frogs. But I'm going to sleep with these frogs tonight. You don't need to sleep with those frogs another night. So the first thing is to set a quit date. That quit date needs to be today, right now. Now, when I'm saying today, I'm not talking about, well, I'm going to go home, pal. I'm going to get me one more shot of this. I'm going to get me one more shot. And then I'm going to quit. No. You quit it right now at this minute. When you walk out of this church, that thing will no longer be on you. But you got to make up your mind. You got to forgive right now, and you need to quit right now. Number two, change your environment. And the main environment is people. Depending upon what it is, sometimes you have to change people, but you change your environment. If you've got something that's a physical addiction in your house, Get that stuff out your house. If you got an addiction to cake, don't you have a big German chocolate cake sitting there under the cake, you know, when the glass cake bowls, and you got the cake there, and you done got one slice, and you say, I'm not going to eat any more of that cake. I'm going to keep it under that bowl. <laughs> but I've got strength now. I've been laid hands on by the brothers of the word. i got strength. I can look at this cake. No. You take that cake, and you throw it in the trash can, and you don't need to put it in a plastic bag and put it in the trash can. Well, Pastor, why shouldn't I put it in? No, you need to dump it in there with all the other garbage because if you put it in a plastic bag. <laughs> now, this, this may sound crazy, but I'm talking from experience. This may sound crazy, but I'm talking from experience. You need to dump it in there so it mixes in with all of the other garbage so there's no possibility of you going in there getting it back out. Now, this is experience. It's wisdom talking to you now. So you get all of this stuff. Go through your refrigerator. All of the stuff that you want, get it out of your house and throw it away today. And don't allow it back in. So that's the second thing is change your environment. If there's people who you've been hanging around, if it's a Getting high type of addiction that you're dealing with. You can't hang around them folk getting high. You got to cut them off today. If they're drinking and snorting and smoking and injecting, you got to get them out of your world today. Because if you go back around them, they will influence you. That stuff gets back in you. You get even just a contact high. So you cannot be around them. Change your environment today. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So you got to change your environment. Play the third audio clip. This is a power minute. The 
Mountain Wings Power Minute, helping you fly over the mountains of life. We have to be very cautious as to who we allow into our lives and who we allow to come in and cause destruction because, mind you, we allow them into our lives. They just don't come in. And the more time that you spend with the Creator, the more you will start to understand, okay, this block is intended for this, so I had to go through this so I can add it to my building, so I can build off of this, so I can grow off of this. You start to realize what each block was intended for instead of seeing it as a destruction, instead of seeing it as a negative thing. We hope that today's Power Minute blessed you. Do you know someone who needs more power? Send them to PowerMinute.com. It's free. It's easy. It's only one minute. It's the Power Minute. Because in life, you need all the power you can get. More power to you at PowerMinute.com. Now that was Jamie, but that is today's Power Minute. Today. If you're hanging around people, we allow them into our lives and they will bring destruction into our lives. So whatever it is you need to get rid of, you got to get around people who are not doing what you want to get rid of and get around people who are doing something you want to bring into your life. You are an aggregate and you gravitate towards your five closest acquaintances. Whoever you're around, they will pull you to where they are. Change your environment. Number three, distract yourself. Instead of using or giving in to the urge, if you empty the house, you got to put something in the house. That's why Jesus said the, the demons came back and found the house clean and garnished. It was empty. You got to fill up your time, your mind, your spirit with something else. If you take porn out, you got to put something back in. That's why it says an idle mind is the devil's workshop. You've got to fill your life. You've got to fill your mind up with something to take the place of that. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus to Christ. Even your music. You got to change your music. If you got a sex edition, you can't be listening to no gangster rap. You got to change your music. You got to change what you're listening to. Change the singing that you're doing. You got to change your environment and sometimes to the extreme if you want to break free and keep free from the addictions. Number four, review your past attempts of quitting Think about what worked and what did not. Consider what might have contributed to relapse and make changes accordingly. Deal with the hurt and the pain of the past. You got to sometimes recognize, look, I haven't been successful with this in the past. I need to do something different. That's why my father-in-law recognized, I got to do something different. I haven't tried to quit these cigarettes time and time again, and I keep going. I got to do something different. So you have to make a decision. If you want to change, you got to do something different. And you have to look back and honestly say, what triggers me to go into this? And seeing when you recognize a trigger coming, you make it, no, I know this is a trigger. I know whenever I'm feeling lonely, I'm going to go get these chocolate chip cookies. So you got to recognize if you're feeling lonely, stay away from the chocolate chip cookies. First of all, none of them in the house. 
So at least I got to get up, put on my clothes, go out to the store to get some. You can't just talk about they're in the cabinet. No, you clean all that stuff out. So find out what is causing you to fail each time you try to change. And number five, have a support network. Have somebody you can call, and they're going to tell you. I remember we had a gentleman who worked for us at one point, and he went into some real marital issues. And he came to me later, and he said, Mr. Bronner, he said, all of my family is divorced. And all of my family, when I told them I was having problems with my wife, all of them recommended a good lawyer. But because I worked here, you and James, you all told me a different story. And he was white. Didn't matter what color you are. Everybody got the same problem. He said, because I worked here, I'm still married and I'm working this out with my wife, even though all of my family told me they to get rid of her. This is a good lawyer here. All of my family gave me different advice than you all did. But I listened to you, and I'm still together with my wife. So you create and you get a part of a support network. Find somebody who is where you want to be and somehow get attached to them. Ask them, can you call them once a week? Now, don't, don't try to just clean and overload them. Ask them, maybe, can you call them once a week? Don't ask me. I'll tell you that around the back. So, <laughs> so I got enough stuff. I got enough stuff. So, but you find a support network, and you attach yourself, and you be able to talk, but you got to listen. You got to be able to listen. And it makes a difference who you are attached to because the struggle is real and everyone goes through stuff. And it makes a difference when you have somebody just to talk with who's not going to tell you, man, get in the car, let's go on down the corner and, you know, just get a paint. And we'll discuss this while we're drinking this paint. You don't need that kind of person. You need the kind of person who says, let's pray. Because you got two extremes. You got the extreme that says, let's pray. And you got the other extreme that says, let's party. And the pray and the party mentalities take you to two different destinations. Let's pray. Let's party. And you have to decide that from this day forward, I'm going with the let's pray crowd, not the let's party crowd. We're way beyond our normal time. The sermon is way beyond the normal length. But this is a big issue that so many of us struggle with in one form or another. And right now, if you're struggling with addictions, we're going to call just for an anointing of away addictions. But before you do, there are people And at least one person, and I want you to visualize this person and say within your heart, your mind, and your spirit, I forgive you. If it's more than one, you just visualize each one in sequence. And you tell them, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. You first of all 
have to let it go. If you want the demon to go, if you want the addiction to go, you've got to let the pain and the hurt and the trauma and the unforgiveness, you've got to let it go. Bow your heads for just a few seconds. Visualize them. Lord, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And for those of you who wish a touch from God for us to just pray over you for whatever addictive behavior you're struggling with, and there's a long list of stuff, maybe stuff I hadn't even talked about, but you know it. Anything that you can't let go, but you know it's destructive in your life, that's an addiction. Some of you got a digital addiction. Digital addiction, that can't stay off Facebook, can't stay off Instagram. You're up in the middle of the night tick-tocking all night, and you can't stop it. You know it's not good for you. All of the psychological reports say you get more and more depressed the more time you spend on social media. You know you have no business, but you just can't stop it. So the world has given us much more opportunity now to be addicted to so much of the world's stuff. So if you know you have addictions that you want to change, that you want to change, and that's the other major thing, you got to forgive and you got to want to change. If you don't want to change them, no need to come in down here because that won't help at all. You just let the demon back in, even if it is knocked out. You forgive and you want to change. Whatever the addiction is, you don't have to tell us the addiction. You know it. And God knows it. And the demonic knows it. But if you want to change, I invite you now to stand and to come down front and the brothers of the word and prophet Dexter is Yvette here today can you ask her to come down here I'm just hearing we need also a feminine touch and Yvette popped into my spirit so I want her just to pray over you also but if you know that you have these things you're struggling with and you just want to touch to help you with them, then I ask you to stand and come down now. to say a general prayer over you and then each one of us will go and and just touch you and I'm just only going to say two words away addictions in the name of Jesus there's power in that name that the demons cannot handle 
us pray, Father God, right now in Jesus' name. God, I feel your presence right now. Even as I'm standing here, oh God, I feel your anointing, oh God, and your power that is in this place. And, oh God, for your children who have come down, oh God, for your people who have come here and come down front, oh God, asking God for you to remove the stain, whatever the stain may be, oh God, right now in Jesus' name, oh God, sing your angels, oh God, before the pastors touch and lay hands, oh God, sing your angels, oh God, to do the work, oh God, to start the work and begin the work, oh God, and as they lay hands, oh God, oh God, allow, oh God, even the demons... Even the spirits of addiction, oh God, to flee, oh God, and not to return, oh God. Give them the strength, oh God, to endure, oh God, that this is just the beginning, not the end, but just the beginning, oh God. And as they go through this transfer, oh God, of cleansing, oh God, of cleanliness, oh God, as they go through the transfer, oh God, knowing that this is not just going to be so easy, but they're going to focus on you. They're going to replace the addiction with your word, they're going to replace the addiction with you, oh God, and you alone. Oh God, we thank you right now for each and every one of them, oh God. Oh God, we ask that you just be with them, keep them. Oh God, strengthen them. Oh God, build them up, oh God, as the enemy tries to tear them down. Lift them up as angels' wings, oh God, and let them rise to the occasion for you, oh God, for their purpose, oh God, in you. Oh, God, we thank you right now that you're going to do a work and you're going to do it quickly for some, oh, God. And it may take several attempts for others, but, God, we thank you that you have broken the chain. We thank you, oh, God, that you have broken the curse. We thank you, oh, God, that you have changed the family's destiny for the good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And I just heard for God to have you to pray over the people also. The sermon title today is Away Addictions. For anyone who's dealing with anything they're addicted to in all manners of area. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. And I'm not going to pray over you today. But you're saying, why? Because it's just some God spoke to me. So I'm getting you ready for some other stuff. And you know you're ready for it when this happens. So you got to know timing and, and just stuff. So Prophet Dexter will take my place today and then Yvette. But uh, I'm just being obedient. It just He had me preach the word, but he's not going to have me touch you. Because I got stuff myself I'm working on. I really, really do. I got my own stuff. And he said, I'm going to give you a sign when you're really ready. He's always prophesied about this healing power and this ability to do all this stuff. He said, you know it, and I'm going to give you this sign you ain't ready there is so much potential among you right now but for some of you you ain't ready and God wants to bless you and give you this stuff and put you in these positions but you ain't ready so I've got to do things within myself to get to the point where God can bless me to that level without it destroying me. So today he says, you don't touch the people. But you got plenty. You got Pastor James, Pastor C. Elijah, Prophet Dexter. And I called Yvette down. She's 
she was with the children, when you study trauma, most of this stuff was instilled in us when we were children. And we grow up and deal with this from mama and from daddy. It's pain that has been with us since we were children. This long book that we just finished reading, and I've started now on the book, on the autobiography of Elon Musk. He's done some phenomenal things, but he talks about all this stuff that he was dealing with when he was a child. And he's this age now, and he's still wrestling with all of this stuff from a child. So Yvette, I want you to pray just for the casting out of stuff from when they were children. That's why when you go to the psychiatrist or psychologist and they put you on the couch, they say, tell me about your childhood. Because they understand so much of this stuff came when we were children. And that may be why he had me call Yvette down because she's up there working with the children. I just want her today to address the child in you. That's why God always called them the children of Israel. They never did grow up. He called them the children of Israel. And we're all children. So today, right now, today, it's going to be a day of deliverance for so many of you. You're going to feel different. But understand this. When that demon is cast out, all hell is going to break loose on you. Trying to get back in. All kind of stuff will come at you. Because God does not want to lose you, but neither does the devil. So if a hold of anything satanic is broken on you today, trust me, he's going to come back seven times harder in your life trying to get you to break. The very thing that caused you to start it in the first place, he's going he gonna to give it one last dying gasp. When things are about to die, they give it their all trying to hold on. So expect that death grip to come in your life. But nothing can prevail against the love of Christ. So today you're given the power to resist, to remain, and to resurrect. Amen. Prophet, if you would just lead everybody into this deliverance for today. touched by the four you can be seated four is a number of nature but it represents the four corners of the earth the four directions the four seasons it covers everything so you're covered from every direction north south east or west every direction 
Amen. You all can stand to your feet. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this transpired in this place, oh Lord. You said in your word in Isaiah 10, 27, that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke, oh Lord. And we thank you for the presence of your anointing in this place, oh Lord. Thank you for the work that you've done in the hearts and minds of your people, oh Father. And we pray, oh Lord, that you'll continue, oh Lord, to go down into the root of the problem, oh Lord. Not just the fruit and the symptoms, oh Lord, but we pray that you'll go down and reach back into the memories, oh Lord. Back into their childhood, oh Lord, and remove every hurt, oh Lord. Every sexual touch, oh Lord, that was inappropriate, oh Lord. Every abandonment, oh Father, neglect, oh Lord. We pray, oh Lord, that you'll uproot it by your anointing, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. Every backstab, oh Father, every betrayal, oh Lord. We pray, oh Lord, that you'll uproot, oh Lord, that which has been implanted in the hearts and the mind, oh Father. We pray, oh Lord, for you to do what no psychologist can do, oh Lord. You who created the brain, oh Father. We thank you, Lord, for a miracle being done in the lives of your people this day, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For uprooting, oh Lord, what we couldn't turn loose on our own, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the victory, oh Lord. We thank you for freedom, oh Lord, in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with your love, oh Lord, where love has been shielded from your people, oh Lord. We thank you for substituting and filling every hole, oh Lord, every lack of love, oh Lord. We pray, oh Lord, that their hearts will be filled right now, oh Lord, with he who is love, oh Lord. Thank you for your abundance of love, oh Lord. Your abundance of peace, oh Lord. Your abundance of joy, oh Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you glory this day. The precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just say, I'm free in Jesus. I am free in Jesus' name. I'm free in Jesus' name. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Away Addictions, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 2028. That's 2028. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 2028 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.